0: WJFF Jeffersonville W233AH Monticello
1: This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show... We'll hear the voices of members from Tustin Heritage Community Garden who gathered in Narrowsburg, New York, behind the Western Sullivan Public Library to finish their late autumn chores. They socialized over warm food and drinks and collectively planted garlic in a shared garden bed. Invited guest, Louise Washer, expresses concern for bees and butterflies regarding the use of Neonicotinoids. And a gifted pollinator sign plaque now hangs on the fence along the pathway. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news
2: headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. The Vatican announced today that Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI died this morning at his Vatican residence. He was 95. He had resigned in 2013, the first pontiff to do so in 600 years. Benedict had visited New York City in 2008 and celebrated Mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral. During that visit, the Pope also met at Ground Zero with people who lost family members in the September 11th attacks.
3: Give eternal light and peace to all who died here, to heroic first responders our firefighters, police officers, emergency service workers.
2: A Vatican spokesman said his body will be on public display in St. Peter's Basilica starting Monday to allow members of the public to pay their last respects. Russia intensified its air attacks against Ukraine, wrapping up a year of intense warfare against the country by firing cruise missiles and explosive drones at several cities. From Kyiv, NPR's Yulian Haida reports one person is dead in the capital, with several more injured. The commander-in-chief of Ukraine's armed forces, Valedi's illusion, he says that his air defense has successfully intercepted a total of 12 incoming attacks, but many strikes got through anyway. Kyiv's emergency services were dispatched to several locations around the city. Videos published to social media and geolocated by NPR show several apparent injuries, including partially severed limbs and bloodied faces on one residential street. A top advisor to Ukraine's presidential administration, Kila Timoshenko, said that the Russian rockets also hit a four-star hotel in Kiev's entertainment district. Ukraine's power grid operator said it preventatively shut down electricity to several areas of the capital region, but did not report any damage to infrastructure. Yudan Haida, NPR News, Kiev. The top infectious disease expert in the U.S. is formally stepping down today. From his position at the National Institutes of Health, And as President Biden's chief medical advisor, NPR's Windsor Johnston reports, Dr. Anthony Fauci has served under seven U.S. presidents.
0: Dr. Anthony Fauci, who turned 82 last week, has been a driving force in the field of infectious diseases for more than 50 years. Fauci spearheaded the nation's HIV research efforts in the early days of the AIDS epidemic. He later became a household name as a leading medical advisor for the coronavirus pandemic, first serving under former President Donald Trump and then under President Biden. In a statement, Fauci said that while he's moving on from his current positions, he's not retiring. In an interview with the New York Times, Fauci said he hopes to do some public speaking and plans to write a memoir. Windsor Johnston, NPR News, Washington. This is NPR News.
1: This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farming Country. Coming up on today's show, we'll hear the voices of guests and members of the Tusson Heritage Community Garden when we gathered in Narrowsburg in November. Folks socialized over hot cider and warm food while tending to late seasonal cleanup chores and plant garlic in a shared garden bed for the season of 2023. Invited guest... Louise Washer expresses her concern for the bees and butterflies regarding the use of neonicotinoids. Louise gifts a pollinator sign to hang on the fence along the pathway. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country.
4: Hi, it's Sandy Stanley and we're gathered here with all the members of the garden to have a little season wrap party and to celebrate and to plant garlic that we got donated from O Organic Farm and to have some festivities, some food. We got some baked goods donated from Bridge Street Bakery and everybody made a little something to share just to celebrate that we have food and we can share it with each other, and maybe something is made from something they grew in their plot this summer. We're looking at beds that things need to be cleared away. How do you feel about the success
1: of this year? Let's talk about some of the successes we had here.
4: It was quite a year, actually. We got back to having events here. We had several events collaborating with the Delaware Valley Arts Alliance. We had a gallery opening this fall with Caitlin Danielson and Leslie Lefranc. They made prints, aluminum prints from the flowers and different plants in the garden and then had an exhibit of the prints. We got a grant from Sullivan Renaissance to do some infrastructure. We did a lot of fence repair. We replaced 30 posts. And we still have one more to do, but I'm waiting till those bluebirds are gone uh, before I set the post straight there. I saw a lot of monarchs this year, which was a good thing, and a lot of bees in the garden. We had the Glen Spay Boy Scout troop joined. They have two plots in the rear. And it was the first year of really working closely with my new co-chair, Elizabeth Green. She was on board, and we did accomplish quite a bit. She's a great grant writer, and uh, we got a lot done.
1: In terms of challenges, we know it was a hot summer, pretty dry, and it looks like in spite of that, we were able to grow things prolifically in this garden.
4: Yeah, it was a little concerning, the drought in the fall, and actually Michael Millet, who's here, him and Mary have a plot, he helped me do some plumbing repairs on our watering system, so thanks for that. But some things didn't quite do well, like tomatoes, but other things flourished. I had more cucumbers in my plot than I've ever had. Like I had like 30 cucumbers. And the flowers, some did well, some didn't, but the pollinators were happy, and I think... We couldn't have gotten more compliments about the beauty of the garden, and so many people got to see it for the first time because we had these free events for the public in the community and the collaborations we did with Delaware Valley Arts Alliance, who we also got a grant from to do the art exhibit. So that was the first time for that. I want to do it again. The garden has a beauty structurally all its own. We
1: know it was uh, inspired and one of the founders is Andrea Reynosa and she set up a little grid of plots here and I think it, it helps be systematic and beautifully arranged.
4: Yeah, there is a purpose for the way it's laid out here. I mean, we have 22 plots and In this 30-by-over-100-foot fenced-in area that we leased from the public library, we're really grateful for them for having us here, and, and we have a great relationship with the library. There's a great flow to it, and then everybody grows something different, so there's this diversity here. And it's also a very diverse community of members. There's locals, weekenders children's and then, you know, just people who maybe they don't have a green thumb, but they want to participate and learn. Yes, it's, it's November and somebody just
1: signed up to... Somebody
4: uh, just heard about us on the UDC network and she came by and signed up for a plot today, so that's amazing. We do have plots available if anybody wants to sign up. They can email me at hcg. At gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, Tustin Heritage Community Garden. You can message through there and and inquire about having a plot at the community garden. Love to have new members.
1: Okay, I think we should join the guests we have over a there. A
4: lot of new guests here today.
0: Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome to
4: the Tustin Heritage Community yeah, nice Garden. Little. This is Rosie Starr. And she's She's also a member,
5: but she'd, she'd love to talk to you about your experience here. Or... My name is Mary Jones, and I'm a member of the Dustin Heritage Community Garden in Narrowsburg, New York. And this year for the 2022 season, uh, my husband, Michael, and I took two beds and we planted some strawberries, which are still thriving, even with all the cold weather. We planted onions and squash and cucumbers and beets. And they did really phenomenal here. In my other bed, we planted tomatoes and basil mostly. And they thrived here. So it's been really helpful. I've learned a lot. Right now I have some decorative cabbage and kale just to make it look pretty through this fall season. And pretty much we've put our beds to sleep until next year. We'll come back in the spring and, and do more cleanup. You know, that's it. Your decorative cabbages are gorgeous. It's a blue stone blue with a rosette in the middle. The cabbage went triple in size since they've been planted. Well, I mean, is that because you have a hoop house over it? There's a structure here. Describe this. Annie and some of the original members to this garden commissioned these custom-made wire hoops that hold on to bamboo rods that help if you want to protect your beds with sheeting um, like a greenhouse. So Annie had told me she had purchased a translucent kind of fabric to protect the beds and she said use it so I threw it over the bed that has the cabbage and then the strawberries and through September October and now into November like I said the strawberries just thrived I pulled out probably 20 onions from my onions this year that we thought we we didn't even know we had left behind so yeah the hoop design is awesome. We're going to leave them up because we'll come back in the spring and probably put uh, some protection over it to do to our starting our next year's beds.
1: What nursery did you go to to uh, purchase your Seedlings.
5: Mostly we got everything from Willow Wisp Farms because we know that they are all organic and the attention to detail, and one of the owners of the farm is a member here, and she's a personal friend, so I felt really confident that she could help and and make me understand what I need to do in order to get a good crop or... Get a good res- and result from it. So I would say mostly everything in here that we had this year came from willow wisp. Well, yeah. you sound like you had a successful year. What about the challenges that you experienced? Well, mostly it was the chipmunk and the groundhog um, who came and ate a lot of things. Our tomatoes would get almost ready to pick, and then they would be gnawed down or a bite or two out of it. Right. So the chipmunk and I think it was a groundhog in here. The fence got fixed this year. So my challenges are just trying to learn more and understand companion gardening and how to protect the pollinators and what is good to plant to keep the bugs away. And, you know, as you can see, my cabbage got eaten up pretty bad. So I wasn't, I was being a little neglectful here at the end of the season. So I'm learning and hopefully next year I can plant maybe even more variety of things than I did this year and try and see where we go from there.
1: I think it's a very noble attitude that you have. Mm-hmm. It's so open and inquisitive. You hope that you're going
5: to do well and well, I think that if I had to feed myself off of this year's bounty, I would have been starving by now. So there's a lot to learn. And so my the stumbling blocks are is that the minute you think you figured something out you'll learn another layer to it that kind of makes you sit back and go hum like today we're cleaning out the garden and we were ready to pull out all the old plants and a wonderful woman who's here said oh you want to leave those because the birds that are here through the winter will eat the seeds off of them and then they'll go and pollinate another area with the seed dropping so it halted me on what I thought I was going to do, garden cleanup. I'm learning that maybe we should just leave them rest until spring. Fabulous attitude. <laughs> Fabulous. Thank you for your work. Thank you, Rosie. <laughs> okay.
1: We're just about to plant some garlic.
3: That yeah, was weird weed. Okay, who do we have here? Please tell me your name. Hi, this is Elizabeth Green, co-chair of the Tuscan Heritage Community Garden. We took one of our community garden beds that we're going to plant some garlic in. Garlic bulbs, now is the perfect time. You don't want to plant them too soon. And first we're cleaning out the weeds. The soil is really nice and soft. And then we just take a whole bulb of garlic and break it apart and start putting in the individual bulbs and we'll get garlic by next July. And they have to be about an inch or two into the ground, maybe six inches between each bulbs. So it seems like a good amount of space.
4: Yeah we had a lot of garlic this year, this past year. Does so it does well here. Well
3: the soil
4: is nice and
3: soft and that is important.
5: So we've
4: got nice, soft soil going. Yeah, you want to get it in the ground before it freezes, basically in the late fall. This is time to plant garlic.
5: We've had a couple of frosts already, right? I
3: yeah. think that's okay, but the yeah. ground is not frozen really. You know, it's still yeah. workable, still nice and soft.
0: Yes. Oh,
4: Introduce yourself.
0: I'm Louise Washer, and I um, have a place here right on the um, on River Road, right across the river from here. And I also work with all-volunteer organization called the Pollinator Pathway. You can find out more about it at pollinator-pathway.org, and it just encourages people to plant native plants, avoid pesticides, and rethink their lawn. Things like leave the leaves in the fall because so many of our pollinators overwinter in the leaf bladder. This has been a journey for me. I started out just being really interested in the pesticides issue and how it affects water quality. And then I met all these people who knew all about the native bees and the monarch butterfly and, and just just planting a few of these pollinator plants in my own yard, seeing who came, like hummingbird moths, things you've never heard of. And I couldn't even get to my car because I would stop by this patch of pollinator plants and just be like, what is that? So I'm I'm a convert and I've been working now for about four years with the Pollinator Pathway Group. It's spread across New York and Connecticut and it's now in 11 states and about 300 different communities have come together to do this. is a grassroots movement. Well, that's
1: what this Tustin Heritage Community Garden represents, grassroots and very much community. And we don't use any GMOs, this is a non GMO organic garden. And and I see today that you brought some signs. Let's
0: talk about
1: what this is all about.
0: So these six inch and twelve inch metal signs that say this property is on the pollinator pathway, native plants pesticide free. And the idea here is that if you are letting your property have a little bit of a wilder, messier look, which is what our pollinators and birds need. They need some seed heads left over the winter so that the birds can eat them, and they need some hollow reeds. A lot of our native bees are cavity nesters, so if you leave some of the stalks of your perennials, they'll down in there and lay their eggs. So that kind of thing. There's tons of information about this on the website. But if your yard is looking a little bit like that and you put a sign up, it sort of lets people know, oh, you know, we're managing intentionally as our yard is habitat. So... And also, we hope that it sort of spreads the word, because one of the main one of the main ideas with the pollinator pathway is that it is a pathway, and so hopefully neighbors, communities come together to try to create the pollinator habitat, so nutrition and nesting sites and water source that are connected, so that like some of the native bees, some of the little sweat bees, they can only go about 750 meters from where they hatch, where they're born. So they need a water source. They need to find a mate. And with climate change and the pressures that are making plants and animals actually have to migrate, they need connected habitats. So sometimes we think... You know, we've set aside, we have uh, woodlands or there's a preserved area that the land trust has, and that's where nature should be. But actually, they need our properties as sort of stepping stones to move between those protected spaces. So we can have a real positive role in protecting biodiversity in just the way we manage our own yards. Well, I understand.
1: And it's so important, everything that you've just said. And and I learned about 10 years ago from a a honey beekeeper, not to pick the dandelions
0: because the bees in the springtime really need that. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things that has been like an amazing thing for me in this whole journey of being part of the pollinator pathway is a lot of the our focus is on honeybees and a lot of the the research is done on honeybees because they're so important to food production for us but i didn't know about all the native bees and new york state has over 400 species of native bees and they go from being these like little tiny colorful things that you would never even think is a bee to you know the big carpenter bees that are bumblebees that are almost like these fuzzy teddy bears so i i just The discovery of the native bees is so important, and they need protections the way the honeybee does. There's not as much research on how to create habitat for them. A lot of them are specialists, which I thought was amazing. We're all pretty familiar with the monarch being a specialist needing the milkweed to lay its eggs on. has to have that plant, so the decline in prevalence of milkweed along the edges of farms, for example, that use GMO crops and can spray everything with Roundup, that also kills milkweed. That's part of the stress on the monarch, which is down like 96% in the last 20 years. There are specialist bees as well. So I've even gone as far as to like look for some of these more rare plants that certain specialists that I know are in this area um, in northeast Pennsylvania to put in my yard. <laughs> so that's how crazy you can go. <laughs> but it's interesting about the specialists, and, and it's why we need to protect the diversity of native plants. So it's one thing to say, well, you know, we, we planted a bunch of, of zinnias or whatever, like, and there's tons of butterflies on them, but we just need a, an array of the plants that are native to this space. It sounds like we need an array
1: of help to help uh, the pollinators and bees and I think there's some legislation
0: that's trying to be passed. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, the um, New York has the Birds and Bees Protection Act. That was a bill last year that passed in the Assembly and was probably had the votes in the Senate but didn't get called. So we're really hoping to pass it this year. It's an important bill because it restricts neonicotinoid pesticides made from nicotine, but they have been found to be really lethal to... Insects, especially bees, there's a lot of data, especially out of Cornell, showing the importance of restricting these to protect pollinators. They also are affecting bird populations. They move easily through soil into water, and they're affecting aquatic life. They've been found to be harmful to deer and other mammals, and now there's starting to be more evidence that they're harmful to human health. So the important thing about this New York bill is that it also applies to agriculture. So New Jersey and Maine have restricted these pesticides in terms of being used on lawns and golf courses and things. But the New York bill would ban the coated seed. So the three, corn, soybean, and wheat, most of the corn, soybean, wheat that is planted in this country has neonic Powder on it. They're coated. So when the plant grows, this pesticide is systemic. It's in the plant. So even the dew on the leaves, the pollen in the blossoms are lethal to insects. But the most important thing new yorkers can do this year starting now is to call the representatives and just ask them please support the birds and bees protection act this year we really need people to call or email their reps and if you want to get more information we have scripts of what you can say in a call or what you can say in an email if you go to pollinator-pathway.org and look for the advocacy page there's actually scripts there for what suggestions what to say Thank you so much for your knowledge and your activism. Thank you, guys. Thank you for bringing me to this beautiful garden today. I haven't seen it before, and I really want to get involved. Okay. Let's have some warm chili or some hot cider to yes. keep warm. Thank Thanks. you. Yeah.
5: My
4: best friend. So Michael,
3: maybe
5: you can go on. I'm going to go on the outside. I'll
4: feed the wire through. All right, are we ready?
5: Yep. <laughs> you don't have <laughs>
4: So what do you think? Is this a good place for the sign? Our new sign. (laughs) This property is on the pollinator pathway. Native plants, pesticide free. Hooray. And where is it going? This sign is going on officially on the Tustin Heritage Community Garden fence. I'm just going to feed the... Why are two there to Michael? Look at that.
3: Yay!
4: We do plant pollinators here, don't we, Annie? We sure do. I'm starting to feel like a pollinator. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. (laughs)
1: We closed our visit by observing the exterior of the garden that is part of the Narrowsburg Walking Trails. In collaboration with the Narrowsburg Beautification Group, the exterior garden is an assortment of perennial pollinator plantings that support the monarch butterfly pathway along the Delaware River. There are fruit trees, buddleia bushes, mountain mint, and milkweed plants to support the health of pollinators. For folks interested in the Tustin Heritage Community Garden, they can be messaged on their Facebook page. More information for pollinator pathways is available on their webpage. For Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr. Hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by a Radio Catskill volunteer. Special thanks goes to our guests, members from the Tustin Heritage Community Garden and Pollinator Pathways volunteer, Louise Washer. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill. Public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania
2: Radio Catskill had a great year on air, and it's all thanks to listeners like you. Remember, when you give, your support helps fund quality programs from NPR, the BBC, and other national shows. Plus, you're supporting the local news, arts, and culture that you can only find here. Make your tax-deductible year-end donation before the new year. Go to wjffradio.org and click the Donate tab. Thank you, and Happy New Year!